I think we had so much fun last week. We want to have some more fun today. Amen? Okay, there was this part. The rest of you are going, I can't believe I'm going to hear some more on order. Well, order is important. I said order is important. Why do you think those men went overseas? Why do you think they did what they did so we could have order here? We let somebody else come over and take this country over. You'll see chaos like you've never seen chaos. You'll see insanity like you've never seen if we don't protect. If we don't protect our borders, I'm just, I'm not being political. I'm just telling you the truth. I mean, somebody has to keep this world in check. And if it, you know, I want us to be more of a godly nation, and I can do my part by praying. Also, I want you to know, last Monday night, we had our prayers for also some other veterans, Voice of the Martyrs. These are people that have given their life for Christ, that are still giving their life for Christ, that do not have the opportunity to live in a country like this where they can stand up and preach openly, where churches can stand for truly the Bible, and they're not regulated to be a religious thing or an organization, they're not, uh, and they're not dictated what to say, how to say, when to say. So you're very blessed to be in the country that you are. But the ones we spoke and prayed for Monday night are those that have already gone, some that are still going through it, and no matter what, they're still standing, kind of like these guys that were our veterans that were on the stage. Well, last week, we talked on order. Everybody say order. Order. I would probably think that's not your favorite topic because it's the most difficult to achieve. Okay, let me, you may say that again, or you're going to get that. Because most of you, the, your, your biggest problem is not me. Come on, somebody. You may have went home and barbecued me a little bit last Sunday, but the truth is, your biggest problem is not me. Your biggest problem is, is not the city you live in. I love it when people think if they move somewhere else, location, location, location is going to be their issue. The reason why they say it three times is because you've moved more than three and it still hasn't been right. Why? Because when you get there, you're there. That's what you don't understand. When you get where you're going, when you look in the mirror, who's still there? It's something that has to be changed in you. I preached a message one time. Change ain't changed till it's changed. Y'all remember that? Change ain't change till it's changed. I did that in, in my side, and they did, I don't know if they could ever get that. Every time they'd interpret the change ain't change till it's changed, the guy interpreted would just kind of look at me going, what? It's kind of like you. Because you can hear a great message, and hearing it's not going to help you. You can hear a great message and take notes, and take notes not going to help you. You can hear a great message and, and, and get revelation, but the revelation is not going to help you. What you have to do is to put application to everything you hear the way God tells you for your family. And order is one of those things that is so challenging because we've all been used to just staying like it is. It's too difficult. Listen, when you let a horse get out of hand, it takes somebody that knows how to get that horse back in hand. Are you listening to me? Take children. I'm telling you right now. Take adults. I'm telling you right now. When they get out of order, if nobody corrects them, and that's the deal. We don't like correction. All the Bible says it's good for us, especially using the Word of God because you do it in love. But we hate correction. We hate change. We hate all those things that are good for us. So sad as it may be, we create a culture of chaos that we decide to live in. And it's insane. I have no idea why we do that, but we do. And we just stay in that, and we learn how to operate better in chaos than we do the peace of God, and we consider chaos the peace of God more than we do the peace of God. 
We kind of think chaos is interchangeable and we can live either, either place. I don't know about you. I know there's going to be chaos come into my life, but I'm, I, I want to be able to take that chaos and make it into a place where it's an altar unto the Lord. That he shows up because when chaos showed up, I didn't act in the chaos. I acted like, let me build an altar right here so that I can get God's attention because I don't want to operate in this. I, I, I think I preached a message one time called Home Alone. I need, if I didn't, I need to do that. I know that, that show is really cool, Home Alone, Home Alone 2. I like that little guy. It's actually Home Alone 1. That was so good. Home, a home that works, number two, order. What have I witnessed in dealing with a house in chaos? No, what I have witnessed in dealing with a house of chaos is that those involved refuse to look at what is really the cause. You don't really want to look at the cause. You're looking out. You're not looking in. Isn't it the job? Isn't it your boss on the job? Wasn't it your parents? That's why, that's why your household's the way it is, because that's the way you were raised. Isn't it your husband? Isn't it your wife? Isn't it your children? I don't know why they always blame children. The truth is, you're probably the reason why your children turned out that way. And it's difficult when you come to those kind of grips, there's a come to Jesus repentance. You know, it's like Eve, the serpent made me do it. It seems chaos is the foundation of the culture we were raised in. I like my house up here. You like it? Everybody see it? You know, it has the order of God. I just want to remind you, it has God the Father. It has Jesus on the right hand of God, the Holy Ghost, and then a dad, mom, and children. Security and safety are in accordance with preparation and planning. Now listen to me. It's so important that you know this because when you finally begin to construct the order of God in your house, if it's of God, then the enemy is going to automatically do what? Okay, y'all not getting this? If God is telling you to do something, what is the enemy going to do? If God is telling you to do something, what is the enemy going to do? If you've let your teenager run wild for the last three years and all of a sudden you decide to bring in the chain, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, yes, ma'am. Now, which one of us are not understanding what I'm trying to say here? If you're going to do what, the, what God tells you to do, get this, there's an automatic attack against you, your family, the order, everything that God stands for. Why? Because when you get this thing straightened out and you, have, and you continually follow the pattern, there'll be a lot more peace than there ever has been, but there'll be more attacks of chaos. Isaiah 30, 8 through 11. Let's see how the world kind of looks at this thing. Go now, write it on the tablet for them. Inscribe it on a scroll that for the days to come it may be an everlasting witness. These are the rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, see no more visions. And to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Is that not where the church is today most of the time? 
When you correct someone or you do a message, something like this, and people feel convicted, and if they're not convicted, they're condemned, and when they get condemned, they get angry, and their flesh operates, and where they're in is how they respond or react. That's what we do. That's where the church is today. That's where people are today. Get away from telling us what the truth is. We'll figure this out by ourselves. The problem is you're supposed to be able to figure this out by yourself. But to do that, you have to be able to get in the Word of God. You have to be able to read the Word of God. And then you have to be able to apply the Word of God. This is the message the church, will, this is the message the church wants to hear. Get off this Bible culture. Isn't it right? Some of you right now have already made mad. You start talking about teenagers and how you let your teenager live. It's not their fault. I never blame a teenager. I always look at the parent and go, and they go, well, I don't know how to stop them now. I totally agree with you. Once they get to a place where there's no chain link on it anymore, you're in trouble when you try to crank it back in. I tell you this, and I tell it to all of you. As a Christian adult, when you've been sold out and committed to Christ, and you go out and party with the rest of the world and then come back to reclaim what you once had, it becomes a challenge that you almost can't do. There's about three or four of you telling the truth, and the rest of you going, well, he been in my business last night? <laughs> come on, Marcus, I wasn't talking about you, man. I wasn't talking about you. Isn't it the truth? See, we think it's just teenagers, but no, it's adults. Go out there and party with your friend. But you know, you want to you be cool again, right? You want, listen, don't preach this Jesus thing to me. Y'all need to lighten up a little bit. We're okay with how we're raising our families because we don't really care. Christians look for comfortable churches that will babysit their children and make sure their teens are not offended and given the right to be like the rest. And of course, making sure the parents or adults can identify without being ostracized. Man, I'll tell you what, we want our kids, I don't know why we hadn't decided this, we want our teenage kids and younger kids to think we're cool. I'm not cool anymore. I stopped being cool the day I got saved. I really did. Because when you start talking hardcore Jesus, the cool goes out the door. It just really does. You know, you, I mean, I know how cool I look. I'm, not, I'm just teasing, <laughs> obviously. Anybody to look like this? That's, my wife thinks I have some real issues, but she's probably right. <laughs> but we really do, isn't it right? Yeah. I mean, we, want, we don't want our kids in the community, you know, are your parents one of those really, they really do love God? I mean, like, you know, they have that sticker on the back of their car, TRC. Is that your parents? Some of you go, no, I took it off. <laughs> You know, they, 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 you want to be cool so that their, their kids can think you're cool. Listen to me. Let me help you out a little bit with your children. I like to do this. They don't need to be speaking eye to eye to you when they're teenagers. Stop letting them act like adults. Quit being their buddy. When they get to be adults, bless God, and they have developed and grown up enough and then they can talk eye to eye to you because they have their own house that they have established. They still honor you. They still respect you. But bless God, until they get to that place, quit putting them there because you're giving them decisions that you're supposed to be making. 
And then when they don't make the right decision, how could you do that? And I want to tell you, how could they not do that? I know I am right now. Some of y'all don't like me, but I love you. Like Pastor Kobe said, ain't nothing you can do to make God love you more or less. He loves you the same. Ain't nothing you can do to make me love you less. I'm going to love you no matter what tone you look at me. <laughs> Order comes at a price. Say amen. Jesus could have become what the people wanted, but then he would have not pleased the Father. Huh? Those songs we sing, I love them because I'm telling you, I go through battles of the mind sometimes. Y'all ever battle your mind? I'm talking about the doubts. Come on, I, I'm just telling you, I'm the pastor of this church, been a, been a Christian for 38 years, I think, and, and a preacher for 22 years, and... I'm telling you right now, I still battle with and, and, and all kind of crazy stuff, but it doesn't matter. I come back. To, he's my firm foundation. I mean, he's got to be my solid rock. I'm in, the, I'm in the semen of God, and that's Jesus. Amen? And I've got to keep this thing going the rest of my life. John 8, 55 says, Though you do not know him, I know him. He's talking to the religious sect, of course. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. <laughs> He was so sweet with love. Some of you people just think, I used to have a, there used to be a person go to this church and all they tell me was Jesus loves you so much. I said he does, but he doesn't love you any less. But don't tell me that he always talked like a hippie throwing flowers. That's not true. This is not that kind of love. This is the truth. He's telling you, I'm not a liar like you. I abide with the Father because I don't do anything but the Father wants me to do. I hear his commandment. I know him and I keep his word. Is that you? In pleasing the Father, there's a grace that gratifies and graciously fulfills. You got that? Let me read that again. I think that was good. See, some of y'all need to hear this. In In pleasing the Father, see, that's what you have to do. That's what Jesus did. Was he popular? Listen, he told his 12 disciples after he said, drink my flesh, eat my blood, whatever, the other way around. Well, you can do what you got to do, okay? Some of you might be eating his blood. Who knows? Some of y'all are wearing me out today. You're loving it. You're saying, if he can dish it out, he can take it. Okay. We, I was over at my, 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 my son-in-law's associate pastor's house last night. And we, were, we were eating backstrap, and I really had a great time with all my kids there. But they roasted me like a duck. I didn't say anything. They just over and laughed with them, and I thought, what a great place to be with my family to hear laughter. It's the greatest thing, man. I just sat there and heard all them stories and bashing and crashing me, and you idiot, you think you can sing as good as DC talk. And I could. I could. I could rap just like they did. It was their ears that had problems, not mine. I know how I can sing. Boom. Pray for those kids. <laughs> Wish I had the words up there, I'd show you something. No, not. If Quentin's up there, I'd be in trouble. He'd be going, let me introduce you. In pleasing the Father, there is a grace that gratifies, right? And graciously fulfills. Jesus was popular to the people, he was rejected by the religious. Why? Their will was to conform. Is it not the same today? Ephesians 6, 4 says this, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. 
bring them up in the admonition. See, if you bring them up that way, as they grow up, they know it's the, it, it is the most important way. And when Egypt tries to take them over, they go, oh, that's not right. I, I, I can't do that. I just can't do that. This does not say moms, but dads, fathers. When not leading them in the ways of the Lord, they're frustrated. Why? Let me tell you why they're frustrated. You ready? They hear one thing and see another. That's why they're frustrated. Hypocrisy provokes provocation. You with me? You're sitting here preaching all this stuff, but bless God, when there's chaos that happens or something you're supposed to deal with in a godly manner, you go off. And I don't know what all you say when you go off, but I bet if I had some children stand up, I could hear it. I bet there's some of us could say, I loved my mama, she's dead, but I'm telling you what, we, I wasn't raised as a Christian, so you can imagine, when my mama went off, she went off. And she had no filter. You already understand what I'm talking about, no filter? She, she didn't, we didn't curse because we live in Texas. She cussed like a sailor. Just telling you the truth, I love my mama, but she had no filter. The crazy of chaos comes from the dysfunction of the disorder of the triangle. Now, there's the triangle. Got the triangle? I want you to look at this for a second. Everybody see? Can everybody see that pretty good? Dad, mom, children, if you don't get glasses, you just, if you don't have glasses by now, you're just being, what, prideful and deceptive. Anyway, we have Jesus and Holy Ghost. We got God the Father. This is the way your family's supposed to look. Everybody with me? You know, I want all y'all to stay here with me today because if you'll listen to some of this, I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to wreck what you're doing. I got to get back in the view of this because my wife got on me about not being. <laughs> all right. I'm, gonna, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm probably going to provoke some of you to wrath today, not children or teen, but more important parents because I'm going to show you a little bit of what's going on in your house. See, order is so important we need to spend at least two services a year on it. Really, okay? So let's look at a moment of a couple of disarrangements. Mom and dad switch places. So let's say mom goes over to the right hand where dad is, where he's supposed to be. They change places. So now the children are looking to mom as the authority. And the dad is really, I mean, the way it happens is, because the mom wants that authority, the dad now becomes Second fiddle. It's not, even a, it's not even a cohesion that works together as one. It's like everybody's looking to mom. Mom, 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 mom. As we all know, families are called now mom and dad, not dad and mom. There's a reason for that. Help me. As we all know, women have been mistreated and abused forever. Biblical order is a protection and power for their welfare. It's the truth. Let's say mom and children switch. This is big. So mom goes down where the children are. Stay with me. Okay? And this happens quite often because the dad honors the children more than he does the mom. Are you, yeah. And I mean that. It, it's very serious. And the children know how to play dad, and they know that mom has no authority. You understand? Because the way she's talked to by dad. And the kids grow up not respecting mom, and they'll do the same thing in their own families. Come on, somebody. Don't shout me down. I know y'all getting mad. I feel it. Come on, tone it down. Tell yourself. <laughs> you know, when a woman's going to have a baby, she's supposed to breathe real fast. Now, Julie just cussed a lot, but you're supposed to breathe real fast. <laughs> I know that's true, because Robert told me. She repented. 
Hey, if you had him, would you not cuss a lot? I finally got even with you once. Hey, he's dished it out by God. Let's give it back to him. Hammers me every week. I, I did that for y'all. Sorry, Julie, you had to help, but... Okay, I forgot where I was going, but it was good. All right, mom and children switch. And here's the worst. When dad, not the worst, but dad and children switch. Okay, now listen, that means the children are over there running the family. Now I know y'all say, well, that never happened in my house. You're the one that it happened. Because you're the one that said that never. Come on, somebody. I know never's not voodoo, but it sure is sounding like it. The day you say that never happened or never will happen, you need to start hanging on to the grace of God and manifesting in it in your life immediately because the enemy hears that and goes, we'll test you. But listen, see what happens? So the children take the dad, and, the, and if the dad doesn't at least go where the mom is and he goes to the bottom, look at it. Chaos is crazy. And all the children are doing is demanding what they want. And the parents are doing, listen, it's not one back-to-school day. Every day is a back-to-school day for those kids. Why? Because the parents are at their disposal. Don't shout me down. The reason why you're at their disposal is because that you feel so guilty for not being in your position. So you have to buy your children's love. And the more you pay for them, the worse they act. They're asking you for a spanking, but you can't give it to them because you can't give one to yourself. All right, there's one worse than all of these, I think. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. They're common when they occur, but when they occur, chaos reigns. The worst one is this, maybe. When the children come between mom and dad, they move right up where that heart is. Now listen, stay with me. Are you with me? Come on, I want you to hear this. They move right up where the heart is, and what I mean by that is they take the love out between the mom and the dad. Are you with me? And what happens when this takes place is both parents serve the children to such a degree when the children leave, what do the parents have left? They've grown so far apart that it's almost impossible for them to operate as a couple again. It's serious. Very serious. Chaos and order invite are invited in most often when dad and mom are not practicing Bible culture. This is, again, provoking your children to wrath. You can't play half the game half the time and the other game the other half of the time. You're either going to operate in the ways of the Lord or you're not. And your children are angry because they don't know what side you stand on. What is everybody else doing? Mom, dad, and your kids are really asking, why don't you give us a boundary to operate in? We're so mad we don't even know how to operate because you don't know how to operate. I want to really say this again about when you put the kids in the middle, it drives out the love. And then the problem is, when the kids leave home, mom and dad are left looking at each other like, do I know you? 
I'm not telling you don't love your kids. That's not what I'm saying in all of this. But they don't even, do I know you anymore? For all these years, we had somebody between us. They drove out the love, and we put all of our fleshly love onto our kids. And the sad thing is, do you know what your children will continually do? What you showed them. Unless they have a real revelation from God with application, they'll do exactly what you did. You'll worship your children. Genesis 12, 1 through 3 says this. The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed by you. For God to do a lasting work, there has to be an obedient factor. This was not an easy thing for Abram to do. Abraham became the father of many nations. His faith was counted as righteousness. He established the outcome of many after him. I want to challenge you today, parents. Making and keeping a covenant with God can and will establish many believing families from your offspring and even from your spiritual offspring. Do you understand what you're doing in your children may leave a legacy for hundreds of years? That's what it did with Abram. He was a father of many nations. Everything that he did affected, it's affecting us today. So what can you do with your children? What can you do with your family? You're going to affect generations to come because they're out of your loins. Don't just think you're doing it with your family. You're doing it with your family's family and their family and their family and their family. Someday, someway, somehow, somebody's going to remember you and say, well, who was your great, 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 great grandpa? Well, he was a preacher. And that's why my family's where they are today. It's because he started something out of his family. Like I was Abram. I left my family. Come on, somebody. I'm not sorry I did. I left my family. When I got born again, I left my family. Some of you can't leave your family. Some of you won't leave your family because what you saw is so ingrained in you and you think it's more important than the grace and the mercy of God and the ways of God. I left my family. And as a result, I'm praying as I see my children here every Sunday. I'm praying that there is a legacy that I leave that when I'm, it's two or three hundred years later, if the Lord tarries, there'll be such a history that their family after family after family serve the Lord. Isn't it what you want? Isn't that your desire? It doesn't matter what they say about me if I ever preached or if I ever did anything. But what the greatest legacy that your children left a legacy and their children left a legacy and their children. And you're just up in heaven going, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Huh? You got a strut. You got some swag. It doesn't come because you can dunk. It comes because, bless God, you got a family that's leaving a legacy and you're the reason. Dang, I'm going to be the reason. But it was really my grandpa. He was a pastor. And he looked at me when I was five years old, sick in a bed, and I'll never forget the way he looked at me. You're going to be the one because your daddy wouldn't. Your daddy wouldn't. I'll never forget it. He looked at me twice like that, and I was just a little five-year-old boy. You know, all I know is about that tall. <laughs> Don't laugh. I really was. 
I didn't grow this big till I was senior in high school. <laughs> Boy, didn't I mature. <laughs> this is the focus. It's not just about you or your future, but many God will use you to influence. How many of you influenced just by witnessing? How many people have you spoke into and blessed God? You don't even know, but someday when you get to heaven, God's going to start saying to you, you know, Junior over there and Johnny and Wayne and Martha and Elizabeth and all these people you talk to. Do you understand eventually that seed sprouted and that's part of your legacy? They came out of the loins of your spirit. You never know when that's going to happen, but if we don't ever even attempt to do anything like this, listen, there's no safer house than this house. Look at it. Put it in your head. Put it in your heart and start to apply it no matter how difficult it is. Do it. You say, well, golly, gee, you're asking for a lot of change. I'm not asking for anything. It's the God inside of you who's going to help you change. You'd be surprised if you'd sit down and tell your kids, you know what, I want to tell you something. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've been a jerk. I'm sorry I've been a hypocrite. I'm sorry I've not done the things that I've told you to do. I'm sorry I've gone to church and played a game. This is not a game. This is an eternity. And I don't want you to get to the pearly gates of heaven. That's not the way it's going to be, but it sounds good. But I don't want you to get to the throne room of God and him to say, I don't know you because your parents didn't know me. And you believe like they did. They didn't know me and you don't know me. But we can start and begin to establish a house like this. This is God's house, not this house, the house at your home. The family is the house. Don't you understand? Let's take a look at one dad who missed the mark. Do you know the story of Lot? Everybody know the story of Lot? No, probably not. He was Abraham's nephew. He left Ur with him. He came with Abraham and they left Ur. When the two became too large a group, they split. Lot went to Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody know Sodom and Gomorrah? The most perverted place in the universe at that time. Everything was going on. I mean, I could go on about that, but everything. There was nothing but perversion, adultery, Everything, name it. I mean, long story short, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, and all that was left was his two daughters. Well, they had been raised in such a perverted place. Do you know what they did? They didn't realize there were, they didn't even think about Abraham. They didn't even think about there were so many other people. They just decided being brought up in a city of perversion I'm telling you how a daddy can affect somebody. How a place, how you raise your family, if it's not like this, can affect somebody. Listen to me. Here's what happened. The town was destroyed. The wife died. They go up into the mountains, and they're sitting there in a cave, and the two daughters are looking at each other saying, there's nobody left in the world but us. We better get our daddy drunk so we can have kids. They got him drunk two nights in a row. They both slept with him. They both had a child with him, their daddy. As a result, they raised two groups, the Moabites and the Ammonites, that became the enemy of the Hebrews. This is what happens when you get out of the order of God. That's, now, that's serious. Listen to me. Why do you think we have families like that sort of today? It may have not been just like that, but the order is out. They practiced what they saw. He was not grounded in the ways of the Lord. Think about it. Another story. Let me hurry, because last time I preached way too long. That's all right. I, I even didn't even use up my hour. Remember I had that extra hour? 
<laughs> Y'all don't remember that? Tom, you remember that? I had that extra hour. We, yeah, I'll use, I didn't use it last week. Let's use it today. Yeah, sure. Another story comes from Joshua. You remember? You know the story. They went to go over and take over Jericho. And they were told don't take anything except certain things that they were supposed to use as far as the people of God. And y'all know his name. His name was Achan. You got an Achan? You got an ache? If you don't, he'll give you an Achan. You know what he did? He stole some goods. Put them in his tent. It's a sad situation because, see, the house is out of order. Daddy's out of order. Daddy came out from under the cover. Come on, listen to me. Daddy was in the right place, but he came out under the covering. He was not under the covering of God in any way. He came out because he was disobedient. Do you know what they did? Anybody know what they did? What did they do? First of all, they had to hunt him down because he didn't come out openly. When they finally hunted him down, he said, yeah, I did it. I stole some stuff. I know I'm wrong. I wasn't obedient. And then I caused us to lose the next battle. But that's okay. I'm so, okay, yeah, I know. Okay, we got you. Yeah, yeah we heard your apology. Yeah, uh-huh. We'll bring you and your family and everything that you own. And they put him in a pit, and they stoned him and his family and burned them. And his family. See, I'm trying to tell you that dads are important. I know moms are important, believe me. But I, I, I think men, we've been so afraid to confront them with their leadership. With it, it, It's so ridiculous that, that people are, well, if you make a man mad, well, get mad. You got the same clothes to get glad in. And hopefully your heart will change when you change clothes. Something has to happen. Men have to change. He cost. He cost, Lot cost his family. He cost the whole house of Israel enemies. Listen to this. Achan cost his family life. Now you can equate that to eternity. Well, you know, I might make my son or daughter mad. You already have. You just don't know it because you didn't raise them up in the way that you said you were going to. Look what he did. They hunted them down, brought them into the... And everybody took part in this. I can't imagine listening to your children scream, watching as they stoned them to death. That's serious business. Mm. Faulty leadership has a consequence for the whole family. You know, a lot of times we don't see the consequence so we think out of sight, out of mind. But you don't know what's going on in your, in your son or your daughter after they leave. They get married a lot of times. Some of them don't even live around you at all. So you have no idea what's going on. It's a sad thing when their house is not built like this. Listen to me. There are many things I don't understand about God, but I don't care. I know enough. To, what I do understand is this is the way my family was raised. I didn't do it perfect. I made lots of mistakes. But I got news for you. That's the order of my house. That's the way I raised my family. I really did. Made some mistakes. But I did not falter out of this order. I never got out of this order. Another situation where neglect was the reason for calamity. Calamity. 
1 Samuel 13, I mean 3, 11 through 14, it's talking about Eli. Remember Eli? Y'all remember who he was? He was a high priest before Samuel. Remember? And, and he had gotten fat and lazy. That's what it says. He'd gotten fat and lazy and kind of sat around, and his sons were Hophnius and Phinehas. Yeah. They, uh, they were hooligans. As a matter of fact, when the uh, sacrifices would come in, do you know what they'd do? They'd eat the best of the sacrifice, eat the choicest of meat. Every time they'd eat the New York strip or the ribeye. No, serious. They eat the best of the sacrifice. See, the best is supposed to go to who? Uh, you missed this. The best is supposed to go to who? Always God, because after that, God makes the rest better. Oh, you're missing that. See, that's why the best always go to God, because what's the rest is the best. Okay, why? Because you got blessed. I told you I could rap. And I'm not even trying right now, but I'm dying. You know what I'm saying? See, that's what you got to do if you're going to be with me. I could roll, but I've been told. <laughs> Better stay with the sermon so it'll unfold. <laughs> See, I can't stop till I drop. <laughs> when you get going, I'm just flowing. <laughs> stop it. I can't drop it. <laughs> Quit it! Getting out of order. See, that's what happens, Mary Sale, when you get out of order. Get back into order here. All right. So what happens? What happens? They go to a battle. Eli's sitting at home with a toothpick in his mouth, sitting on a chair. There's a report that comes back. Well, first of all, Samuel has a prophecy. And he tells Eli, here's the prophecy. Pretty much he told him, because you wouldn't take care of your kids, they're going to die. You know what Eli says? I love it. At least he's got enough God in him to say, well, whatever God tells he tells it. First he tells Samuel, tell me everything, no matter how bad it is. He told him, and Eli said, well, kind of like old Jed Clampett. Remember when he'd say, well, doggies. That's kind of, <laughs> really, he was. That's kind of about what he was. And he said, well, okay. Whatever God wants to do, who can stop him? Pretty much what he said. Pretty, whatever God's going to do, who's going to stop him? And of course, there was a battle. These nitwits for priests went out to help do whatever they were going to do. You know what happened to them? They both got killed. And it was not God's timing to kill them. It's because they were disobedient that they came out from under the covering and they died. See, I don't believe in everybody says, you know, it was just God's time. If you're Driving down the road, flat drunk in a car, and you die in a car crash, do you think that was God's timing or your stupidity? Get real. That's not God's timing. I don't believe that. I think God wants to use you till you can't be used, not because you abuse yourself. Okay? So what happens? He kills him. You know what Eli does? Eli's on that chair with a toothpick in his mouth, and when he hears the news, he falls off the chair and breaks his neck. So what happened? That generation of perverted priests is gone. And they don't reproduce again. Come on, somebody. I'm helping somebody. I know y'all are getting this. Do you understand what happens sometimes? You get so far out of line that God says, okay, go ahead. But I'm not going to let you keep going. I'm not going to let you procreate into this arena. But see, in my situation, 
God's a little bit different because of the grace and mercy of Jesus because there's been a sacrifice as such. I had the opportunity to walk out of that. I walked out of that. As Pastor Kobe preached a message one time not long ago, well, it's been a couple of years, I guess, three years, but it was the transformation generation. God, it's a great message. I took, he didn't know it, but I stole his message and preached it in, in uh, Africa. I did. I preached it all over Africa. He, if he did it, they heard it twice, okay? And they keep notes and they remember. You ought to see them. I come back and they'll be telling me what I preached the time before. I, same with him when he goes back. It's just so important that you know that, that be careful what you're doing with your generation. Be careful what you're doing with your children. Daddies, be careful how you lead. Mamas, be careful how you and dad come together so that your children can see what a family is really supposed to be. Don't wander in and out of the covering of God and your, and your kids are like in chaos and feeling like, is it going to be a hell storm? I hope not, but there's going to be one sooner or later. Get back in the will of God no matter what. So how do we do this? These are situations with preventative action. Another truth is this. Do what is right in the eyes of God. How about that? And why is that so hard? You know why? Because we're afraid somebody's going to laugh at us. Do you not want to be found guilty? You don't want to be found guilty in, res in retrospect to what you should have done. Do you? You know, there's many, we have many kids, and I love kids, and I think they're the greatest. I do. But how many of you have led your own children to the Lord? How many of you have sat down and said, I have to tell you that going to children's church and Wednesday night is so good, and when you get old enough to be in a big church, it's so good, but now I have to lead you to the Lord. Now I want you to understand who Jesus really is. You need to do that. But to do that, you have to have an anointing that you're following him because they won't listen because they've already heard more truth than you. I got and not just my two grandsons, but I got two grandsons, Ian and Van, and I've told you this before, but they can play Bible trivia, and they can, I have to work hard to beat those two. They read the Bible all the time. They do. They read the Bible all the time. We, we took them to Red River, and they're back there, and let's play Bible trivia for the 55th time. <laughs> they do. Back there reading their Bible. Listen to me. Why? There's a legacy being left in them. It's being deep ingrained into them so that they'll know this is the house you're supposed to build. Are you still building this? You never finish building this, don't you understand? It's a process that goes on and on because when your kids leave, it's just you and mom. And you still have a house to build. Why? Because if there's not, it's good to see you, Desiree. If there's not, there's grandchildren coming. God, I get a chance to see all of mine. I've been so blessed. Huh? They get to see a gnarly grandpa. Huh? They do. They don't even know I don't have a bite anymore. These teeth are just for show. <laughs> Y'all miss that, I can tell, but that's all right. They really are, but don't say that to my wife. Oh, my God. I mean, she needs to repent. All right, I have the answer for you today. You ready? And I'm going to end with this. Let me make sure I'm ending. You never know. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that you, after your children and their children, at, come on, you see what I'm saying? It, it's, it's a legacy thing. 
may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and that you may enjoy a long life. I want you to hear this now. The reason why these words are special is because they're eternal. These are eternal words. And I know you say, well, that's the Old Testament. It doesn't matter. It's all, every, every one of these scriptures spell Jesus. That's all it is. It's either his grace or his grace to come. That's all it is. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey. Hear, O remnant, be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Pastor Kobe was talking about in the offering today. It's so important for you to understand God is so willing to give the fat of the land to each one that believes, that each one that follows, that the, those that are building the house the way it's supposed to be built. But we're so afraid if we really do try to build it, we may not fit. I promise you, you won't fit in with the world. You know what Howard tries to teach these young people on Wednesday night? We had such a great group Wednesday night. I love it the way you preach to them and teach to them. I love the way you all do things. I mean it. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the way you're leading this. I am. And, and I love the time you're putting into it. I'm glad you got a good wife that stays with it. But it's important you understand that it's not just what he needs to be telling them. He's not telling them to be cool. I mean it. He loves them, but he's not telling them to be cool. He's not telling them to make sure you fit in at school. That's not what he's doing. He's telling them that that's the way the house is supposed to be built. And what he's going to tell them eventually, and I'm sure he has, if your parents won't build it, then you'll have to build it for your family sooner or later. It's just the truth. Why? Because somebody has to become the transitional generation. Somebody like me has to break out and say, I love you, Mom and Dad, but that's not the direction I'm going. I got a new vision. I'm leaving the land of Ur. I'm leaving Haran, and I'm going to the promised land. Come on, somebody. To get to the promised land means you're building the house. You're in the promised land? If you're really in the promised land, you'll build the house. I'm in the promised land. I've been building a house for a long time. Don't keep building the house. He says, the enemy come against it, he'll huff and he'll puff, but he can't blow the house of God down. Come on, somebody. Huh? Let him huff and puff. He's a huffer. Y'all know what that is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Let's establish the truth of why you're struggling because you still think the world has something to offer you in worship. Come on, somebody. Listen to me. I'm preaching today. You still think the world has something to offer. And in the middle of this decree, he says, now remember. Tell him I'm busy. The Lord, our God, is what? He's telling them this as he's talking. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your who? When's the last time you sat down with your cheering? Huh? And you impress the Word of God on them? I'd like to know how many parents do. Really, you sit down and said, hey, let's just spend about 10 minutes here. I'm going to read something I read this morning. Every morning, my grandkids are out at the house. And every morning, Ian and Van, I give them a high five, ask them how they slept, and they're watching me read the Word. They're watching me read the Word. I'm telling you, I want that to be such a legacy in their heart that no matter what they remember about me, they remember I was sitting drinking coffee reading my Word because I think it's building something so deep in them that nobody can get it out of them. And if they ever do depart, they'll return. Come on, somebody. Huh? 
Talk, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. Come on, when's the last time? Or some of y'all going, I ain't talking to him no more today. <laughs> he, he convicted me. No, I want to tell you, if you're going to build your house, quit playing house. Ooh, that was so good. That's so good. Some of y'all playing house, but I ain't going to talk about shacking up today. That ain't home. Shacking up ain't home. That's not God's house. I'm not being ugly. I'm not cutting you down. That's not home. Quit it. Quit acting like you got a home. You ain't got no home. You, got nothing. you can't build nothing like this from doing that. Impress them on your children. Impress them. Come on. It's like fossilize them on your children. Come on. I like that. Fossilize them. Make sure that when they leave your home, they're starting to build. They know how to build. You put the building in them. Every one of them. Know they're, man, they're construction building. Well, you, mean, you know carpentry? Sort of. Y'all know I can't swing a hammer. But I tell you what I can do. I can build a house of God. I can build my house. You can build your house. And I do it because I have a great God, a mighty Savior, a great Holy Ghost, and a good woman that does it with me. I don't do it by myself. Are you kidding me? You can't build a house by yourself, especially if you're married. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. Mm, mm, mm. When you lie down and when you get up. You see how serious this is? When the last time you and your kids went? Try it with your teenager today when y'all walking down the road. If it ain't raining, <laughs> could be raining. Huh? Hey, honey, when's the last time you read that Genesis 1-1 in the beginning God? Mom, where'd God come from? What, did you read Genesis 1-1 yet? Let me tell you about it. It's the greatest, one of the greatest verses in the Bible. Why? First of all, it's the first verse. Second of all, it tells you where God came from. Where? He's always been. Because in the beginning, God. That's all you got to know. There's so many answers that are so easy. In the beginning, God. When I don't understand something, that's what I go back to. In the beginning, God. Because why? No matter if it's beginning in me, God was in the beginning, so he's in my beginning, no matter how difficult it is. It's God. He's in the beginning. Tie them as the symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. You know the Jews, how they, how they worship? They're called phylacteries. And they put them on their, their boxes, and they wrap them on their forehead, and they put them on their arms and wrap them all the way to the... All the way down their deal, and they're bobbing and weaving. They do. They bob and weave at the Western Wall. They bob and weave on the jet that I drive on when I, when I fly on when I, when I used to go to Israel. They're bobbing and weaving like that. They're dedicated, but they're not serving the Lord. Okay? They're serving the Word, not the Lord. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You got anything in your house that has Scripture on it? I'm not talking about your Bible. In my house, I got Scripture by the door. I got scripture in the bathroom. I got scripture by the other door. I just, I just want it there so that I can know no matter. Yesterday, I have the declarations that when Pastor Kobe had cancer, y'all remember that? I said had. And uh, yeah, that's all right. No, he knows. He, well, I have those declarations, and Jan made them for the Remnant Church. And I was getting coffee yesterday, and I just stopped and stared at every one of them, read every single one of them, and I said, that's for the Remnant Church. That's for every one of you. I've read every one of them for you. And I said, that's for me too. You understand that? See, I'm building your house even if you won't. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Come on, somebody. Isn't it time for us to raise up and be the men and women of God so that we can, so, so that our kids can look back and say, you know what? I can tell you when we weren't 
And I can tell you the day that my parents got it. I can tell you the day that we begin to frame up because we got a sure foundation. We begin to frame up. And my dad became the dad of the house. And my mom became the helpmate that she's supposed to be. And they made decisions that honored God and they also kept us in a place where we would be safe and secure because of their love for God. They showed us the boundaries that God wanted us to live by, not because they showed us, but because they lived them. Are you with me today? I'm not preaching another message on order. This is it. But this is the house you need to be working on. This is the house you need to be building. You have an enemy coming against it. I promise. Today, some of you are going to make an attempt. Hope. You're going to make an attempt to say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to try this. Well, then you won't do it. Here's what you have to do. You have to do this. You have to do it. It's not going to be popular because why? It's not going to be popular with you because when you attempt to do what you haven't been doing, your grace and anointing is a little bit waning, but that's okay. You just, you just circle back in there, repent, ask God to get you going in the right direction, and you stay the course. He's still, I like that song, he's still in control of the wind and the waves. Why? Because he made them. And when you make anything, you've got control. Look, look at me. He made you. So he really still has control of you, but he gives you volition. Right? He gives you volition. Now, what are you going to do with that today? If you're not born again, today would be a great day for you to meet my Jesus. You'd say, well, I don't even know anything about this order. I don't even need, there was a, uh, I think Apollo said, I never heard about being baptized in the name of Jesus nor the Holy Ghost. Well, it's the Holy Ghost, what we're looking at. It's the name of Jesus is what's important. So I'm asking you today, where are you? Are you born again? If you died, would you go to heaven? Did, 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 was, was I speaking Greek all day today to you? Some of you parents, where are you today in your faith? And some of you grandparents that you had a, you, you, you know, you kind of squandered maybe because you didn't know, but you have a chance right now to do something different with your grandkids. You have a chance to leave a legacy. They can see that, you know what, my granddad and my grandpa, they changed. I don't know what happened. I, don't, I, don't, I know when it happened. I don't know how it happened, but bless God, they started. I mean, my granddad quit cussing. I mean, he quit getting drunk. He quit talking to grandma like, I mean, you, you won't believe what happened. Things begin to change. You would be surprised what they would remember if you'd give them the opportunity. Anybody?